Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I welcome Ryan Chan, the founder and CEO of Upkeep to the show. We discuss radical transparency, communication, and building personal connection in the workplace. This episode also has a couple special guest appearances by Bob Latino and Michelle Ledette Henley. If your company sells products or services to engage maintenance and reliability professionals, tell your marketing manager about Rob's Reliability Project. I am offering some advertising packages both for the show and for the newsletter. So if you're interested in that, send an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. And lastly, if you haven't yet, check out my website, robsreliability.com and sign up for the weekly reliability newsletter. I've been putting out some great stuff lately on leadership, on personal development, and really how we can support each other as a community. So I hope you really enjoy that. Now, thanks for listening. Stay safe. And here's the episode with Ryan Chan. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. We're back. This is live webinar number eight, I believe. So we've been eight weeks in lockdown. I got a special guest today, Ryan Chan. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, obviously, given the circumstances, got a lot going on, but all things considered, very fortunate to be here, to be healthy, to be um, safe. Uh, so again, all things considered, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. <laughs> that's the attitude we need to have. And that's the attitude that you have. You're, you're one of the most positive people I've ever met. So I love that. All right. Thanks Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I try to stay, you know, I try to stay optimistic, you know, we're, we're in difficult times. Uh, so the only thing that I can do really is just focus on the positives, knowing that, you know, we're going to come out of this, we're going to come strong. Yeah, I love that. And and then that was kind of what I wanted to have you on today to a little talk about was just like this, you know, you've built such a dynamic, optimistic culture at Upkeep. And it's really started with, you know, how much you care about people. And so I guess I wanted to just start off with, like, how have you managed the the transition from your office space to this remote work environment at Upkeep? Yeah, let me give a little bit of context behind us. We're a team of 100 people. We've grown to 100. We were just one person four or five years ago. So just to give you like a sense of where we've come over the last four or five years, it's been, yeah, obviously 100 times bigger over the last five years. So quite, quite intense. In terms of like how we've transitioned going from, let's call it the in-office to the remote culture, we build software for maintenance teams. We build, we're a technology company. So us transitioning over into um, the work from home was, was fairly seamless because we can be productive. We can work effectively when we are at home, but we also know that our customers, a lot of our customers can, right? A lot of our customers cannot work from home and be the same, at, be at the same productivity levels as us as a technology company. And so, when we transitioned from home, we basically said, you know, we're going to come back to our roots. Like, yes, we can be productive, 
But the only way that we're successful as a company is if our customers are successful. And we basically said, you know, we're going to use our customers as the shining light for us, you know, as a business, as a company, as, as people as well. And I think that's been the biggest like rallying cry for the entire team, you know, to stay productive, to remember why we exist, what our purpose is. Again, it's, it's for our customers. And I think that was huge in terms of bringing up the morale for everyone. And kind of riffing off that, I know you've you've put out a bunch of different initiatives, like you were sending snacks to frontline workers. Uh, there was that social bingo card that I saw on LinkedIn. I was, it was it two days ago or something. Do you want to just like tell us a little bit about that? And like maybe maybe you know to come off the discussion, like where is the like the values or the heart that really led to those initiatives? Yeah, it all stems from our customers. Why do we exist? What's our purpose? And we always say, you know, the only reason why we exist is because our customers trust us, believe in us, purchase upkeep because of the company that we are. So if we can't do that, we won't exist. Um, the reason why we do, you know, the, these bingos, why we care so much about the community, the society, our, our industry, it's because we know that this is a long-term game. And if our customers are successful and if our customers can come out of this, um, you know, stronger when it, when this all does pass, like that's going to make us as an entire community stronger as well. That's where it all stems from. That's where it all comes from. We wanted to do fun things as well. I mean, we're, we're kind of like this fun culture where uh, we all love games. We all love competition. I feel like that's one of the things that's brought us closer together. And so things, small things like bingo, right? Like we wanted to, to create like a, almost a competition around <laughs> doing social good. And to me, it was just a fun way to incentivize, that, incentivize this, create a little competition around it. But ultimately, like every single, every single marker on that bingo card was one, was a different way to help support our community. And our, our team just, ate it all up. I mean, the, the team that we've got, just huge sense of purpose for the community, for the industry. I love it, I love it. And I guess, you know, just speaking about your team internally, like how have you been successful at creating, you know, this culture or just these bonds between your employees and like, cause obviously they're deeper than just like, we work together. Yeah, it's a good question. Ultimately, I can only say, I feel like I can only take a very, very small uh, you know, piece of, of that and why it exists. Ultimately, it all comes down to like the people that we've hired. I feel like I've gotten so incredibly lucky. We have such an amazing team that cares so much about, about, the, about our industry people at the, end of the, at the end of the day. But some things that I feel like we've done well I think one thing that we did pretty well was just increasing transparency and communication. That was really huge. When we did that, we realized like, you know, instead of siloing off like different parts of the organization from, from different uh, departments, we realized that when we become super transparent about, you know, both the struggles and also the successes that you have, it creates a culture that, you know, people want to share knowledge. People want to communicate with one another. And at the, at the end of the day, it creates a deeper understanding of people at the individual level. 
when we have a very transparent culture, when people are okay with receiving feedback and giving feedback and talking about the struggles that they've had, it opens a deeper connection with people at the individual level. And I think that's been a huge part of, of why we've been so successful or somewhat successful with creating, I think, a very positive culture. I think the second piece around it too is what's our North Star? What's our purpose? And our purpose, one of our core values has always been and will always be choosing customers over revenue. Um, and I think that sense of purpose just brings everyone together and unites them in a way that's, you know, that, that's very different than a lot of other companies. Yeah, <laughs> I know we, we talked about it on your show uh, last week, but it was like these companies where some of their values are transparency and honesty, you, you see the opposite. And, and it's like, I, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this right now, they'll agree. Like I, I, there was a couple companies I've been in and, you know, people were laid off and they didn't tell anyone or, you know, these types of things. And, and it just like, it kills the culture from the inside. And, you know, that's part of where I think just having that, you know, radical transparency, it, it, you know, it's so huge. Yeah, absolutely. One, one of the questions that came in was, how vital is connection to driving the desired culture and what strategies are being effectively used given the new normal that we find ourselves working in? So maybe that's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll try to answer. I think I know where, where it's headed. It's basically like how, how important. So, so I think a lot of companies, they basically say, this is my work life and this is my personal life and I'm going to separate the two. I think as, as we've seen COVID and this whole coronavirus thing hit, we're all working from home. It's much more difficult to separate. This is my personal life. This is my work life. We're starting to see that get integrated even more. And now what's happening, and we've seen, and for me personally, like, you know, I, I see my, my team, my employees, and my colleagues a whole lot more than I've seen my friends now. <laughs> and so it, it, this is very true. And I would imagine this is also true for, for other people too, given, you know, all the social distancing rules, uh, lockdown and, and whatnot. I, I mean, I'm imagining this is actually very true across the board. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think in my, my gut says that personal relationships in the work environment have become even more important now than, than ever. And we've, I mean, for, for us, we, we do consider ourselves this small little work family. Um, I think we do, and we have driven very personal relationships. And I think that's helped us work more effectively as a team. Um, I know that there also is this difference, or there is a line in the sand that says, this is my personal life, and I have to separate components of it. I definitely respect that. I think that's also very important. But I think what we're starting to see is that line gets shifted a little bit more. Because again, we're all working from home now, or at least for, for us. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I was talking to Michelle before before you jumped on and it's it's like I used to have that line in the sand pretty well drawn because, you know, you like I, I left my work laptop at work. So it's like I couldn't check emails. I couldn't do that type of work. 
And then now it's sitting here and I'm, I find myself, I used to just like work on, you know, the podcast and this other, like this content on the weekends. And then now it's basically like you're working every day. It doesn't matter what you're working on. And I was talking to Michelle and I said like this weekend, like tomorrow, I am, I'm turning off my phone and I'm turning off my laptop for two days because I need a break because yeah. it's just, it's gotten to this point where it's like, I'm sort of burning out with all the stuff that I'm doing. And it's always like, Oh yeah, I could just do one more thing. I could do one more thing. And so at some point you gotta, you gotta tune out and take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing too, just to stem off of that, like having that balance between work and life and personal life is so important. I think what we're, what we're also starting to see is, is just the importance of happiness at work too. Because now we're at home at work, right? Um, and, and I think what that has fostered for, for us as a team and us as, you know, an operations and HR team is focusing on how we can make our employees happy while they are at home. And, and I think that's been a big component to, um, I'm not going to take any credit for this, but some of our <laughs> other team members just going above and beyond and saying like, hey, I, you know, this is not just your work environment. Let's go above and beyond for this person. I know that they've got personal challenges going on. You know, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a family member that has had COVID-19. They go above and beyond. And I think that has fostered just very deep human connections that enable us to, again, like be, be stronger as a team and come closer and at the end of the day, understand one another at a deeper level. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's where, that's where I, my head is at right now. And I've been talking a lot about to my team at work about, I mean, no one reports to me, but my team at work, um, I've just been talking a lot about like my, my struggles with mental health, like either the depression or the anxiety. And then even on this show as well is like this way of showing people that it's okay to talk about it and that we can all support each other. And it's like, you kind of sit there before you do it. And, you know, this is like the, the whole concept of vulnerability. You sit there and you, you believe that, you know, you're going to come out and you're going to say, I'm depressed and people are going to laugh at you. And they're going to say like, oh, like screw this guy. Like he can't handle his mental health or whatever. Right. And that, that's like the impression that you feel before you take that leap. And then what you find on the other side of that leap is there's just love and support and, you know, it's like no one, no one in my life has been like, oh, well, you know, we, we're not going to help you. Like, you're not feeling good today. Like, we're not going to help you. And like my manager, like I've taken two weeks off this year for mental health purposes. And it's not like, he's not like, well, Rob, you're a, you're a bad employee now. Right. And so I, I just like, if you're listening to this, you know, it's like, be open to having these conversations with people at work because they can help you and they'll support you. Like we're people yeah. and we need to really bring people back to maintenance. Absolutely. I have a fundamental belief that people, everyone has good intentions and it's just, how do you communicate it? And the more that we communicate, the more that we understand what each other's our intentions are and the better decisions that we can make. That's where I think the root and fundamental problem comes from a lot of different places and a lot of, you know, unfortunate decisions as well. Um, so I think for, for me running this team, um, it all comes, my first gut and what I try to do myself 
um, as much as possible, I can't say I'm perfect, is seek to understand. <laughs> seek to understand where this person's intentions are. And every single time I've done that, I've never been let down. I've never said this person has bad intentions. It's just how it's communicated and also how it's interpreted, interpreted and, and understood by me. Love it. And, and I mean, we have an expert on the, on the call, Bob, Bob, you want to comment on that? Like you've done a lot of root cause analysis. Like how often have you found that someone was ill-intentioned when they caused the failure? Uh, I think a lot of the times uh, that's why RCA gets a bad name is because of just that, that it, the analysis ends with somebody making a bad decision. And I think that you have to have the willingness to go explore the social science side of that and say, you know, that person didn't go do work today and, uh, and promised to screw up. You know, why, why did they think it was the right decision at the time that they made it? That's, that's where the meat is in any RCA. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes uh, we, we find people that were, uh, they were not qualified to be in the position they were in. I find this in industry and healthcare. And, you know, the, Chances are somebody retired or somebody didn't show up that day and we put somebody in somewhere they were not qualified, but we had a warm body. Uh, if that becomes consistent, uh, you know, we have to also ask, well, um, I'm supposed to be managed by somebody. So why does, uh, why was somebody in a position they weren't qualified to be in? How did they get there? And I think that, you know, we have to balance the scales with that with, you know, systems have to accommodate the people that are there. Uh, so that, you know, you have to give the benefit of the doubt that that person, you know, that's like in one uh, 1% of the RCAs we do is sabotage, less than 1%. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, they were just good people who made poor decisions. So why, why did they think it was the right thing to do? That's what you hunt for. And I think that's exactly what Ryan's getting towards is that, you know, they made the decision with the best of intentions. Why did they think it was, that was the case? Yeah, I love it. And Ryan, maybe you can comment a little bit. Like, how do you, like you, you've had a, such an agile team and you've hired people really quickly, like staffing up from one to a hundred in a couple of years. Like, how do you make sure you have people with the right skill set in the position that they're supposed to be in? <laughs> That's a good question. At the end of the day, like you look at experience, you can do an, a quick interview. Um, we give projects as well to test, uh, you know, aptitude on a particular skill. But at the end of the day, like, you don't, you don't really know. So what we've always focused on so, so much on the interview process is culture fit, is, is values alignment. Um, and we know that if you take a smart person that's willing to learn, you know, they can, they will, they will always, always overachieve. They will always like outperform anyone that has all the skills with the wrong mindset and attitude. So when we hire and how we've always hired is cultures first, attitude first, mindset, grit, um, all of that before, you know, aptitude, before skills, before experience. One of our core values as a company has always been this idea around grit over prestige. And the way that we define it is it's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about the prestige that you have from you know, all the amazing accomplishments, projects that you worked on, multi-million dollar budgets that you've had. It's about how we think you're gonna 
have that grit to go through the most difficult times to learn from it and and ultimately for us it's what you do in the future what we hope you're going to do in the future versus what you've done in the past yeah and i love that <clears throat> and i think you know for me that's the, that's one of the big things that's going to come out of this covid situation right is we can see it now in our industry is like people some people are rising up and you know, stepping out there and doing these great things and other people we haven't heard from. And I think like people are just showing the level of grit right now and their resiliency. And, you know, that we're, that's the benefit of a situation like this. Yeah. This might be a little bit off topic, but I was talking to someone else and I was telling them like, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. I feel like I have imposter syndrome because, you know, I don't know all the answers. Um, to everything that's going on and I'm trying to make the best decisions with the information that I've got. And they basically responded to me basically saying, Ryan, everyone's an imposter right now. If you think any CEO, anyone in this world that had planned and have, have gone through and navigated through a pandemic like this successfully, if, if you think someone else has, has the, the experience you're wrong, um, everyone has, uh, imposter syndrome right now. We have to make the best decisions with the information that we've got. And we know that, you know, we're going to be right. Sometimes we're going to be wrong the other times. We just have to do what's right today again with the information that we've got. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it like not, not speaking personally as a CEO, but, but we've seen it just with the models with respect to like how many people are supposed to get sick and all that stuff. Like, those are, you know, PhD level analysis done by people who are smarter than me. And it's like, you know, like the spread on those numbers was huge. And like, I'm not sure in terms of how they've actually worked out, but you know, like nobody knows anything really. And so you ask the question, like, how do we keep the team motivated and what's critical to it? The one thing that I've said and repeated time and time again is focus, focus on the things that, that are, are within our control, our mindset, our effort, and our impact to the customers, our, our, our industry. It's our mindset. We can change whether we feel like today's going to be a great day or whether today's not going to be the greatest day. You know, our mindset is so important. If we go into every single day saying, you know, today's going to be better than yesterday, that's the first step. The second step is our effort. How much effort in, in, you know, how much effort do we put in every single day? This is 100% within our control. Um, whether we choose to say, you know, today's tough. I have to work from home. I'm not as, as productive as I once was, but I'm going to make the most out of it. I'm going to put 110% effort in. That's our decision. That's our choice. It doesn't matter, you know, whether there's, you know, global pandemic going on effort that we put in every single day is our choice. And then the third thing here is our impact. And it's essentially like what we put our effort into. For us, we always say our impact is to our customers. If we remember that we have a positive impact in what we do for, for who we do it, you know, these are the three things that are, that are within our control. These are the three things that I want us as a company to focus on, every single individual to focus on too. Love it. Yeah. And I mean, just speaking personally, I'll give you, I'll give you an example that's worked for me on my mindset in the last week. Like I, my coach 
uh, she sent me this audio book. It's, it's called Be Happy and by Robert Holden. And I, I started listening to it. And one thing that hit me, and I mean, it's not just as simple as that, but, but basically he said in the book that if you just decide to be happy, like now, you'll start to see like your world will change. And it was like, you know, like, it, you know, my first reaction was, well, if this was this easy, like why have I been depressed for 10 years and like all this stuff. But then I, I really committed to it and it has changed for me in the last week. And I think like, it's not, obviously it's not that easy. Like there was, you know, a lot of other work that's gone into that decision, getting me to a point where I could make it. But there is that, you know, and even Pete Carroll wrote a blog I read yesterday about how they're coaching their players and they're looking at, you know, the things that they do well and, and then what they could do, what they could learn to do better. They're never just yelling at them in this negative way. And it creates this, you know, culture of positivity. And I think like, you know, in a, in a space like we're in right now, it's easy to lean into the negatives and get caught up by the news. And it's like, if you can focus on the positives, like we're going to come out way better on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another value to us is this idea around progress over perfection. So, you know, relating it back to this idea of like, just let, let's just choose to be happy. Like that, obviously it's not that easy. I, 100%, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I, you know, I think all of us wish, wish that. But I think a big part of, of one of our core values is this idea of it's progress. You know, we're making progress if we choose to say, I'm going to try to be happy today. I'm going to make decisions that make me happier today. It's not about, I, I, I don't know if there is this like exact, like today I'm happy, today I'm, today I'm not happy. It's never this black and white. There's a big spectrum in between. And so if we make decisions that help us get closer to where we want to be, to me, that's progress. I don't really see it ever being this on-off switch. Um, <laughs> and and it's, really, it's really important to us as a company as well and everything that we do, all the decisions that we make. So I guess I wanted to dig a little bit more. Like, What have you seen in terms of your customers uh, like their mindsets, like where are they at with respect to the, you know, COVID and the pandemic? It's difficult, right? Uh, I'll be very transparent. We, we serve a lot of different industries. We, we serve and we have customers in some of the most difficult, difficultly hit industries out there, restaurants, hotels. We power a lot of their maintenance teams um, and facility managers to help keep restaurants uh, you know, up and running. We also serve some customers in food beverage production, food beverage manufacturing. They're seeing the most demand out there that we've, than they've ever seen. Um, in terms of what we've done, how we've helped them, for, for us, like our big focus is enabling our customers to get their customers back, especially in those hardest hit industries. What we're doing as a team, again, centering around how can we help them. You know, if we've got a food beverage, uh, a food beverage manufacturer obviously like they're growing and, and they're seeing the most demand that they've ever and our goal you know is to help them support them in their growth but on the flip side to that we've also got some customers in hospitality restaurants um and 
it's it's really difficult. We're seeing some of our customers go under. We're seeing yep. some of our customers um, reach out to us for support. You know, the only thing that we can do, the, I mean, at least in my eyes, is help them. Is give them the tools, the tools, the resources, whatever we can to help them. I know that uh, it's a difficult situation for them. It's a difficult situation for, for so many people. Um, and we're in a fortunate position that I feel like it, it is our responsibility to give back. That's why you've seen a lot of social impact companies. Yeah, I love it. I couldn't imagine like some of I like just thinking about restaurants. I know in Edmonton, they're opening up restaurants next week. And it's like, I'm curious to see if people actually go like they're opened at 50% capacity, but it's like, are people actually going to go? Cause I know I'm not going like I, I can tell you that. Right. So I don't know if people are actually going to come back. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a slow, gradual ramp back up. But we, we come back to the, again, this, this decision that we have. Um, we know, I know for a fact that it will get better. I don't know what. Can't give you <laughs> the exact date that everything is going to go back to normal, but I know that it will be. And so for us, you know, going back to this idea of progress, like we're going to, we're going to work through it. We're going to work through it together. We're going to make progress every day. Love it. Love it. Love it. I just want to get into another question. So someone wanted to ask, how can you achieve quick wins with respect to culture change? Do you have any thoughts on that one? At the end of the day, it depends on like what the team is like. What are they motivated by? Um, I always, whenever someone asks me about culture, you know, the, everyone has different, different definitions of what culture is. The way that I define it, at least, at the end of the day, to me, culture is what motivates people. Um, for us, we are, as, as a team, we've been motivated by impact to our industry and our customers. And I think we're motivated by one another and we're motivated through competition. So <laughs> it depends on what, it depends on who the people that you've got in your organization. I can tell you some quick wins for, for us. Some quick wins for us, just in terms of how to improve, uh, how to improve culture, transparency, that was one big thing. When we all went to work from home, a big, big thing that I think a lot of people really appreciated we send out da daily emails. We move from a weekly uh, communication to the entire company to now a daily communication to the entire company. You know, some things people, sometimes I'm guessing people didn't even read it. Other times people did and really appreciated it. For me, I basically said, I'm going to over-communicate and make the conscious decision to over-communicate. Um, and I think that's helped a lot with our culture because now again, it, it, fosters a deeper understanding of where people's intentions are. So that's one quick, easy win. Another quick, easy win that, you know, for, for me and for us, uh, we've been always motivated by, by a little bit of healthy competition with them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you see things like uh, the bingo cards, the, the um, <laughs> we've done like these dance competitions. It's really funny. Yes, I saw the kickball team on, on <laughs> <Yeah>. LinkedIn sometime. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but to me, like, I also want to take it a step back and say, and remind us that, you know, 
culture is not about the kickball teams. It's not about the, you know, beer on tap and the, you know, ping pong table in the, in the break room. Again, it's what drives us, what motivates us to, to um, do, be the best that we can every single day. And, um, you know, so, so we create, again, these healthy competitions, uh, but it's not centered around, you know, the ping pong. It's centered around how can we help our customers. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, uh, I think if Michelle's still on, we talked about it on, uh, on my podcast with her about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Michelle, do you want to comment on any of that? Maybe we lost her. All right. Can y'all hear me? We got you now. Am I? All right. Um, yeah, I think you know, I, I, uh, I like a lot of what Ryan said in terms of uh, one of the things that's important is, is to make sure that the work itself is motivating for people. And so not just all of the, the it's kind of the easier stuff, right? The ping pong tables and, and all of those sorts of It's more about coming up with ways to make people actually enjoy the work that they're doing because that's the part that's going to stay. If you do all of the, the extrinsic stuff, then you have to keep on doing more and more and more of that, um, which can get challenging. But if people enjoy what they do, and, and like Ryan was talking about, if they connect with the customer, that's huge, where they feel like their work has, has purpose and has meaning in and of itself, that, that makes a big, big difference in motivation. I love it. Yeah, and that was something that I was asked, I forget, week ago or something someone asked me like some of these positions in the maintenance crews are to like wipe down surfaces or wipe down hand tools like how do we manage the boredom and the like eustress around doing that type of work and for me that's that's exactly the answer right is like this work it's important because you could be saving someone's life by wiping down the equipment you could be disinfecting, you know, this type of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I get it's boring, but if you can connect it to meaning, then you're there. And, and, you know, like that's, it's a good place to start. Exactly. It comes from what's the, per I think you're right. The, a lot of, let's call it like these, these more um, routine jobs, right? we kind of do it like clockwork and we forget the reason why we're doing it. And if we can put purpose and a why behind it, that reminds us not only the importance of it, but it also uh, gives us again, that sense of purpose. Um, it, it reminds us why we're doing it and why it's important to do it and why we should continue doing this. Um, and I'm going to bring it back to a lot of PMs, right? Like, Sure, a lot of questions, why are we doing this? Does this even matter? But I guarantee you, at some point in time, whether it was a manufacturer, whether it was a, another team member, they went through that RCA, they did the analysis, um, and they said that this is, this is why. But I think over time, we, we kind of lose touch about the why. And, you know, if we can continuously bring that up again it gives us it gives that gives us that sense of purpose it reminds us of that analysis that we did you know 10 years ago <laughs> no i i think it like honestly like i think it's really easy to lose touch with with your purpose and with why i think like 
for me specifically, like even over the last couple of months, I had some periods where I was, you know, like debating seriously about stopping doing all this content that I'm doing because like I was struggling and I was like, well, you know, like nobody cares and like all this other stuff. And then if you really look at all the evidence that I have, and that's, I actually created a spreadsheet, like nerd alert, I created a spreadsheet um, with some of the comments and emails that I've gotten back. And it's really helped me to like, see that, you know, this type of stuff, like not only are we building community and, you know, I'm connecting with people all across North America, Georgia's out in England, you know, like we're able to have these connections, but it's also like, this is why I'm doing it. Like I'm not doing it, you know, to look cool myself or anything like that. Like I'm doing it to help people. Absolutely. And if we can affect just one other person and net net that that's all that I can ask for. So last question I want to get to Ryan is someone asked about steps that we can take to sustain a cultural shift to avoid relapsing. Do you have any comments on that? Steps to take to avoid a, yeah. So so the way, the way that I kind of interpret this question is like, we've made so much progress you know, shifting from working from home. We've made all this progress to um, embrace technology, improve communication, collaboration. At some point, we are going to go back into work. At some point, we are going to go back into our facilities, factories, plants. Um, How can we maintain this? Does that sound about right? Yeah, and I, I think there's another, the other side of that question is what we see in reliability a lot, which we talk about as like the pendulum of reliability where you get to this point where you're doing proactive maintenance, predictive maintenance, and then, you know, usually the group gets cut or something happens and you swing back to this reactive mode. So I think there's a little a couple pieces there, but yeah, any, any thoughts that you have? Yeah, I mean, I, where my mind immediately goes is this idea of, explaining the why right we did it's the same it's the same concept of the pendulum around you know doing an rca 10 years ago and forgetting about that and stopping to do all the pms and all the you know audits that we said we were going to do to prevent this failure Um, it's it's very similar and it all comes back to like better documentation better explanations better understanding of the why um and i think one one very cool technology shift is that it's now become much easier to document the why. You know, I'm sure we've all experienced this. We've got paper, pencil, we've got, you know, it all documented in this big, uh, you know, cabinet that no one looks into. You know, now that we've got technology and also now that we are working from home, we've all been forced for better or for worse to document it in a digital format. And we know that, you know, it's a lot more difficult to lose something that's in a digital format than uh, a piece of paper uh, filed away in a cabinet. Um, so like how, how to prevent the, you know, us going back to our old ways. Yeah, obviously one piece of it comes from better documentation, understanding the why, but just the continued reinforcement of, of um, these cultural values every single day in I think that's important because, um, you know, obviously you can never, you can never repeat your cultural values 
enough. Um, we do this almost on a daily basis. Where, wh why do we exist? What's our purpose? What are our core values? We do this every single day. And the more that you do this, the more that people remember, and the less that we're gonna prevent, uh, the more that we're gonna prevent going back to our old habits. Yeah, for me, it's a lot like any any type of habit, like going to the gym or or those type of things where it's like, you know, you just have to do it. Like you have to f almost force yourself to do it for like 66 days or whatever. And then it becomes what you do. And I think yeah. a lot of these cultures, like, I mean, there's turnover, but but it's it's like, you just stop doing it because there's what usually it's there's one champion and that person moves on or they get fired or whatever. And it's like, you lose everything. And I think for me, it's like, how do you, it can't just be one person like, yeah, you need, you need, obviously you need leadership around it, but it has to become more yeah. than just one person sustaining everything. You know, another thing that just came to mind actually that I think our team does such a good job at, is just celebrating other people's wins. Um, celebrating the, the where we were and where we are today. That's huge. Because I think what, I, I think part of like the normalcy comes in, you, you start to think about normalcy when you forget where you were. Um, so let me just put this into perspective. If we've got if we've done all of this amazing work to improve our plant or improve our culture, improve team communication, collaboration, it's so important to remind ourselves where we were and how far we've come. And the more that we do that, the more that we shout, the more that we um, celebrate and shout out other people and celebrate other people's wins, the more that we remind ourselves of where we were and how far we've come and how much more there is for us to continue going. Exactly. Michelle, are you are you asking to talk or I, I saw a hand pop up. No, just just uh, completely agree. I think that's that's fantastic. I think that's super important. <laughs> yeah, I mean personally, just me and in, in, in terms of my work on myself, like that's one of been one of the things that I've really tried to reinforce is just you know, the difference between even where I was last week versus today is, is massively different. And I think that, you know, you can't do that enough. And, and sometimes it's hard because, you know, maybe you don't have a KPI for it, but definitely just even thinking back about, you know, however you felt last week or what you said last week or any of these types of things, just, just hammering it in there. <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got a Slack channel that's just specific for shoutouts. And oh my gosh, there's probably like 10, 15 people every single day just shouting out to one of their colleagues saying, thank you for such an amazing job that, that you did today. You know, having a culture that celebrates other people's wins, I think was, was so critical to, you know, our, our small team's success. And I can't take credit for that. I think you know, it was someone else on this team that just, you know, said, I'm going to do this one day. And it, it just continued on forever. And I love it. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I mean, even like one of your team members already actually shouted me out on LinkedIn. Uh, was it last week or something as a mentor? And it hit me pretty hard. I was like, I didn't know I was a mentor of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you are, Rob. Yeah. 
you know, this is this has just gotten ingrained with our within our team, and I think it's so. So I love it. So Ryan, um, absolutely. You know, I really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate. I mean, I always love to talk to you. So. Do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, people listening, they should check out your podcast, Masterminds and Maintenance. Obviously, they should go to onupkeep.com and check everything out that you're doing. Do you have anything else you want to plug? You know, the, the only thing that I can plug for right now is just helping other people in the industry. Uh, I think for us, we've been a ver- in a very fortunate situation. Um, we know that a lot of people in our industry, in in different companies haven't been so lucky. You know, the work that you do, the work that everyone does to support one another, um, maintenance reliability industry is tremendous. Just continue doing that, continue supporting one another. Um, I think, again, we are gonna come out of this stronger than we were. It's just a matter of time. And the more that we can support one another, the, the better off we'll be. Yeah, I love it. I really love it. And and that's what, kind of what I want to leave everyone with today is something that I've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. It's just about, you know, having that empathy towards each other, having that connection with each other and really just coming at the world with love. Like it's weird to say on a maintenance podcast that we should love each other, but you know, that's the truth. Like there is no more time than ever than right now to offer love to each other and support. And that's where we should be at. So yeah, lastly, if you're, you know, listening, thanks for listening, subscribe to the podcast, Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform and follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn for the best memes in the industry. (laughs) I can't agree to that. (laughs) I have to say that because it's, because it's true. (laughs) It is true. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time. (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone.